Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello there, episode number 54 of the podcast. I hope you're all having a fantastic week. This week's podcast is around mindful eating, conscious eating, whatever term you like to put on it. It's a pretty vast area. Food and nutrition as a whole is very expansive, but even just bringing it right back down to this, I feel like it's such a big topic that I'm probably going to split it into two episodes, maybe even be three episodes. I don't know when I'm going to get to the second episode, but I'm going to try at some point. I've actually got some good guests lined up for the next few weeks. As long as the COVID situation doesn't escalate, I'm hopefully going to get those guests on. It could end up being a case of me doing the second part of today's episode, maybe even next week along with the guest episode. So some week there might be two episodes going out is what I'm trying to say to you. That could happen at some point because I feel like there's an awful lot of stuff I've got to get through at the moment. We've got a lot of guests lined up and we've got some really good guests lined up and I certainly am not going to be cancelling them. So there may be a week where there's two episodes going out. I'm sure you won't complain. Today we are going to have a look at your relationship with food and your relationship with food is a journey. It's never a destination. Same as with fitness. It's not a journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's a never ending journey. You're going to have a relationship with food for your whole life. So it's a journey and that's going to be ongoing. Therefore, we need to try as best we can to have a good relationship with food or to have a some ways healthy relationship with food because it never ends. It's not going to change overnight. That's the next thing. If you've been eating a certain way for a certain period of time, habits have become ingrained. You may be good to food sometimes as a crutch even. You're not going to change your eating habits just by flicking a switch. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I run my online courses now, and this is something I've really, really brought some awareness to over the last few years. Just seeing people's different mindset around things, seeing their different attitude to things. I think when I started running courses first, I used to get people who thought that, well, you know, six weeks is just going to change my life. I'm done then. That's it forever. And it's almost like they're looking at that six weeks as an endpoint. Six weeks, then I go back to how I was because I'm fixed. I'm cured. That's not how it works, guys. That's not how the human body works. And it's certainly not how the human brain works. There's a lot of work to do in your mindset, which is why I love getting the clients into the online courses. It gives me access to them every day of the week. And that's when you can really make an impact on people's lives. But what I always stress to clients that I take on is, if I'm working with you for the next six weeks, that's a platform to launch you forward for the rest of your life. That's giving you tools. That's forming habits. It's that you're learning, you're gaining knowledge, and then you're able to implement that going forward. If you're going to come into an online course and look at it as six weeks and then I'm done, game over, final whistle, then it effectively is the final whistle on your journey. You're going right back to where you were because you're never ever going to hit that end point after six weeks and be perfectly happy and have everything fixed and have everything cured. It's not like that and it doesn't work like that. We really have to start looking at changing habits for the long term, one step at a time, not looking for magic results, managing expectations, managing expectations and changing the mindset around food. Social media in particular, in particular, marketing and sales have developed so much with the development of social media. They've kind of gone hand in hand and now people are almost been targeted and it's like we can do these magic things for you and it takes no effort on your part and everything is going to be fixed in rapid quick time. Because that's what people want to hear. So that's what marketing people will say. Because that's what you want to hear. That's what sells the product. Or that's what sells the course. Or that's what sells whatever it is that they're selling. So you have to be conscious that if you really, really want to create long-term change, it's the unsexy things. It's the hard work. It's the boring stuff that I talk about every week that doesn't sell because it's not what people want to hear. It's hard work. It's persistence. It's consistency. It's practicing habits every day of the week. 
It's not me just saying, here, I'm going to wave a magic wand and you're fixed. But that's what marketing people are selling. So it creates a bit of an unrealistic expectation at times that we think we're just going to change the lifetime habits that we have and just suddenly become this perfect version of ourselves that we've no idea how we got there. And it's going to be painless and it's going to be effortless and it's going to be convenient for us. It doesn't really work like that. So today we're going to have a look at all that sort of stuff. And I think the starting point with this, if we're talking about creating healthy food habits and changing habits of a lifetime, we've got to start with a why. Our why is fundamental. It is one of the most significant things that people overlook, really overlook. Think about the last time you started a weight loss journey. If you're my clients, this is not relevant because you know the why is important. I've worked with you guys. If you've never worked with me, I'm going to make an educated guess here. I'm going to say you have decided you need to lose weight and you've just put on your runners and maybe just made some efforts to maybe eat a little bit healthier, but you haven't given any thought to what you're doing or why you're doing it or how you're going to get there. You've literally just done the same thing that you've done the last 50 times. And if you do the same thing you've done the last 50 times, you're probably going to bring about the same result that you've brought about the last 50 times. What I encourage people to do is sit down and really get into their own heads, write it down, get a pen and paper and ask this question, what is my why? Why is this important to me? Why do I want to do this? What difference is it going to make to my life if I achieve this goal? Really get into the nitty gritty of it and make sure that it's a strong way, that it's a compelling way. Because if it's not, the first time temptation is put in your way or the first obstacle that you come across, you're just going to fall by the wayside if there's not a strong why behind it. A strong why is your driving force. That's the really, really, really fundamental thing that pushes people forward when things get tough. And if it's not there then you're probably just going to go back to old habits because it's the easy option. And human nature leads us to the easy option. That's just the way we work. So if you can figure out your why, then when it's difficult, you come back to that thing that you've written down on your pen and paper. You get your little notepad out, you read over it again, and you remember, this is why I'm doing it. This is why it's important that I go out now when it's raining, now on the days that it's not easy, when no longer the sun is shining, when the easier thing to do is to sit down and not do anything and go back to my old habits of eating mindlessly and stuff in my face just because it's boredom probably as much as anything and because it's habit so questioning that i think there are a lot of people who their their why or the reason they want to get in shape is for the wedding or is to fit into the pair of jeans or it's for the holiday or it's for the trip to lanzarote but the problem here is that the trip to Lanzarote becomes an end date subconsciously in their mind. It's an end date. It's just, I'm going to work. I'm going to do the work until I get to go to Lanzarote. As soon as I come back from Lanzarote, I'm going back to old habits. So again, it's that thing of where you're feeding your mind subconsciously this message that put the work in until we go to Lanzarote and then you can just relax and you go right back to where you were. That is never, ever, ever going to create long-term change. I think the trip to Lanzarote is a good motivator. I think it's a good little post along the way, something to work towards, but it has to be bigger than that. It can't be just that. If it's just that, you're never creating lasting change. You're going exactly back to where you were beforehand. So yes, use it to motivate yourself, but don't get into that subconscious mind place of once we're at Lanzarote, that's it. It's over. Happy days. I can just go back to in inverted commas normal. You have to start looking to create a new normal. I know this term new normal has been doing the round so much lately with the pandemic around the world, but new normal is a phrase I've been using for the last 10 years, <laughs> probably longer. I'm in the fitness industry now for 15 years at this point. So a lot of what I'm speaking to you about today is from what I've seen in that time. And the reason I do podcasts is because when I speak about this stuff, 
It's not usually a one-off case. I've seen it time and time again. So the stuff I speak about is normally very relevant to a lot of people. So people listening to this straight off can identify with what I'm speaking about because it's not it's not at all limited to one, two, ten people. It's probably hundreds and thousands. So I guess a lot of what I'm speaking about is probably resonating with some. Maybe a better why would be I want to prevent myself from becoming one of those statistics that gets cancer or I've got a genetic predisposition to cardiovascular disease and I want to prevent myself from having a heart attack before I'm 50. That's one that's actually quite relevant to myself. There's a history of heart conditions in my family. I'm very unaware of it most of the time because of the way I live my life. I don't give it much thought, but maybe I should give it a little bit more thought because I've probably been careless enough at times. Given the way I live my life, healthy lifestyle, eat well, train well, I don't really think about it that much. But then, like, I ran a marathon and I hadn't, it hadn't even crossed my mind. I just don't even think about these things. And I think about a week before I ran the marathon, my mother said to me, did you ever get your heart checked out or anything before doing this? <laughs> it was nearly too late at that stage, but I hadn't. I hadn't even, it hadn't even crossed my mind, but maybe it should have. So maybe things like that, like your health, they're a much stronger why as far as I'm concerned, as opposed to just fitting into the pair of jeans, just getting the bikini body, all those kind of vanity metrics. Maybe you call them vanity metrics, I suppose. That there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better. I think from what I've discovered, the why for a lot of people is aesthetic. That's very often the case. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look your best. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be in better shape. There's nothing wrong with that because it does give you confidence. And I think it's it's absolutely fine. I think it's a good thing. It, if anything that improves the way you view yourself is a good thing. But I think the problem is that for a lot of people, it's their only reason. It's their only why. And that can become a dangerous thing because when are you ever satisfied with how you look? Ask anybody, guys. Ask ask a hundred people, are you happy with how you look? 99 of them are going to say no because there's always a next level. There's always something else that you're striving for. So again, I think your, your why has to be a little bit stronger than just how you look. And that's why I think things like your health and things like wanting to be there for your kids and things like wanting to live a long, happy life and a good quality of life. That's really important too. Maybe it's not always about the length of life. Maybe it's about the quality of life. I think I'd rather have a really good quality of life as opposed to having a long life and maybe the quality is not that good. So I would say look at all those things and ask yourself what really is my why and dig down on it. Always when I ask clients what's the why it's oh I want to lose weight. Okay but why do you want to do that? Well I want to fit into this dress that's coming up for a wedding. Okay so why is that important? Well I'm not really happy with the way I look at the minute. Okay, so why is that important? Well, it's affecting my self-confidence. I just don't feel that good about myself. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. So now it's about self-confidence as opposed to just wanting to fit into a dress for a wedding. So ask yourself, dig down deep. Where is that why? What is the fundamental reason behind it? And I think if you can address that and it's more than aesthetic, I think that gives you gives you a strong driving force and that's going to keep you going. Because what you have to remember about aesthetic is that even if you change the way you look, you're still the same person. You're still the same person, just in a body that looks differently. And that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. Your personality type is not dictated by how you look. A dickhead with abs is still a dickhead. <laughs> a dickhead with abs is still a dickhead. You know, and if you're a nice person, you know, it goes both ways. I actually seen a video clip the other day that kind of annoyed me a wee bit. It was on one of those, it's kind of one of those clickbaity things on Facebook where they were doing a, what do you call them, a vox pop, is that what they're called? Where basically somebody goes out just questioning random people and this was obviously an old clip before social distancing and whatnot but they were on a beach and the question they were asking and it was all girls they asked was do you prefer a dad bod or a six-pack and I think to be honest you're setting people up with that question alone to kind of rant against the people with a six-pack but it was just like 
some of the answers were kind of annoying me because it was very much girls were saying and, and some of the language used on it even it was like six pack lads they're just douches that was typically the word that was coming up or they just have no personality or they're this or that it's just such a general sweeping statement and I was going you're not you're not right you're actually factually incorrect there in what you're saying maybe the ones you've met are but you can't you can't classify everybody just because of the way they look so that was one thing that kind of got my back up a little bit but I think it goes both ways and you look at bodybuilders and the likes of that I think we look at them and we think they've got it sussed, they're happy, I'll be happy if I look a certain way. If I get to that target, then I'm going to be happy. But you're never happy because you always want more. And there's a huge percentage of bodybuilders that actually are quite, how shall we say, insecure. That's probably the word I'm going to use here is insecure. I think that is the reason an awful lot of people get into bodybuilding. I'm not saying all. Don't bodybuilders don't come for me on this one. I'm not saying all, but there is a lot of people I think that are insecure, or maybe that were smaller when they were younger. I think there's a lot of people even that were bullied when they were younger. If you look into their backgrounds, so it's possibly coming from a place of insecurity, and they think, well, if I'm in this huge body, then I'm powerful and I'm strong, and people respect me, and I've got a sense of power, or I've got whatever it is that they think it's going to change the way they feel about themselves, but it doesn't because you're still the same person, just that your body looks different. That's all that's changed. So there's a lot of people walking around that carry televisions under their arms. But underneath that, they're still quite insecure. And there's actually an elephant in the room, really, in the fitness industry at the moment. And it is anabolic steroids. They're becoming increasingly popular. It is among bodybuilders. It's also among your regular gyms. There's a lot of a lot of steroid use going on at the minute. I'm not going to say that's good, that's bad. I'm not going to give an opinion on it. But I'm going to wonder maybe about why you're going down that road. Is it because you're still not happy with the level you've got to and you feel that you have to get to the next level? Because if you're constantly chasing perfection, you're probably not going to be happier in, your, happier in yourself. And what that can actually do is exacerbate some of the underlying issues there if we're talking about insecurities, if we're talking about the way we view ourselves. You know, so it comes back again to having a stronger why. I think maybe the likes of health reasons are probably stronger than aesthetic. But you've got to question that for yourself and you've got to come up with your own answers. You've got to realize that, well, what's my why? Why do I do that? Why is it important for me to do this? And hopefully your reasons are pretty strong. I think they have to be. If you want to really create last and change, they have to be. I want to talk about eating mindlessly and eating with awareness and the difference between them. When I bring clients onto my online course, the first thing I do with them is I arrange a consultation where we will have a conversation about their eating habits. We'll have a conversation about their training, what's going on at the moment, what are maybe the obstacles, what are the things that are holding them back, maybe they're self-sabotaging. A lot of them are self-sabotaging, a lot. A lot of them are eating mindlessly. They're not even realising they're doing things. They'll tell me, I don't eat that much, so I don't know where the problem is. I'm thinking to myself, if you've got a weight issue, it's not always the case. But the likelihood is in a lot of cases that you're eating more than you actually need. And very often people don't realize how much they're eating. They'll tell me about their meals. They'll tell me about their three meals. But I have discovered that a lot of people consume as much calories between their meals as they do in their main meals. They just don't realize they're doing it because they reach for the press through force of habit. They reach for a few biscuits that is just they're unaware. Like if they if I ask them the next day, what did you eat yesterday? Those biscuits are forgotten about. They don't get tallied up. If I was to ask them about, do you eat chocolate because it's just habit? If they think about it, they'll admit that they do. But if I hadn't made an issue of it, they'll say, no, I don't eat that much. For a lot of people, they are having a bar of chocolate 45 minutes after eating their dinner because they'll convince themselves they're hungry. We justify, we rationalize. 
they're not hungry. They just want a sugar hit. That's the reality of it. And it's hard to criticise them because at the moment, we're living in a world that goes against everything that I'm speaking about here. We're living in a world that makes things difficult for us. The environment is extremely challenging. Think about it. You call into a petrol station on your way home because you're hungry. It's very, very difficult to get anything nutritious to eat in that petrol station. It's shiny wrappers. It's stuff that's well marketed. There's very little nutritional value in a lot of those things. And it's hard to find something good. This was brought home to me recently by a client on one of my six-week courses. It was one of the very recent courses. She ended up going to work and forgetting her lunch. I like to have my clients well prepared. They bring their own food most of the time now because a lot of workplaces... The options aren't great, been honest. So now I have them, most of them bringing their own food, prepping their own stuff. She forgot to bring food with her one of the days and she ended up calling into, again, I think it was a petrol station or a cafe, trying to find something good. And she put up a picture of a, well, it was kind of like a protein bar, but it was more kind of cereal type bar. And she asked me, is this okay? I think it was the best I could find. And I looked at it and it was just heavily processed. The sugar content was 14.5 grams or something like that. So no major nutritional value in it. And that's what you're up against. That's the way we are in the world nowadays. And that's, again, down to marketing people. They're just really pushing high sugar stuff, high salt stuff. Let's be honest, that stuff is absolutely delicious. I'm not going to say otherwise. It's lovely. It's, I mean, who's going to turn down a lovely ice cream that's high sugar, high fat? And it's okay from time to time. Of course it is. And I'm not going to say to you, never have an ice cream. I think what we have to understand is that discipline has to come into play. There has to be a level of discipline because we all love those stuff. I love those stuff. Everybody loves those stuff. You've got to call yourself on it, though. You can't say, well, it's absolutely lovely. Therefore, I'm just going to have it every day. Base all of my food decisions on what something tastes like. If we all did that, we'd all be... We'd all be obese. Let's not lie about it. We'd all be obese if we based our choices on taste. We'd always go high sugar. We'd always go high salt. We'd always go Coke over water. We'd always go Club Orange over water. But we can't make our decisions just solely on what something tastes like. We've got to flex that discipline muscle at some point. We've got to realise that if we have a goal and it's important to us, we have to take responsibility for ourselves and for our actions and for our food choices. I've seen situations where I'll sit down with clients, we agree on the goals, they've said it's important to them, they're feeling motivated, and half an hour later they're having a takeaway. What's that about? That's human That's human responses and this is why I think there are more food issues than just saying, okay, don't eat that. Because I think it's almost an addiction for a lot of people, they use it as a crutch. It's like some people will turn to alcohol, some people will turn to drugs when they're stressed. And I think people use food to medicate as well. I think people turn to food to make themselves feel better, to get that little hit, to bring their mood up temporarily, make themselves feel a little bit better. But then because of the type of foods they're eating, that feel good is only temporary. Their energy levels are going to start dropping because of what they're putting into their body. That affects their mood again in the long run. So at some point, we've probably got to break that cycle and we've got to get down to the underlying conditions and ask ourselves, well, why am I doing this? Why am I making choices that are going against what I'm saying is important to me? It's awareness, first of all. It's acknowledging the behaviours that I'm doing and the behaviours that are leading me away from my goals and are leading me to the food choices that I don't want to make. So it's firstly acknowledging those behaviours and just holding your hands up and saying they are there and I do that. A lot of people lie, guys. A lot of people lie. It's not a criticism on my point. I think it's we justify and we rationalise because we like to convince ourselves that it's not as bad as what it maybe is. You know, or we like to tell ourselves that I wouldn't do that. But... It's often just lying to save face. 
I've spoken about it before in the podcast where people lie to me because they don't want to let me down. That's very much the case. Guys, you're letting me down by lying to me. I prefer if you're honest with me because then we've got a starting point and then we've got somewhere that we can move forward from. But if you're not going to acknowledge the behaviours, then you can't correct them or you can't do anything about them. So firstly, it's awareness. And then it's it's you understanding that nothing gets in your mouth without you putting it there. It's literally you raising the fork and putting something in your mouth. So you did that. Only you did that. You put that thing in your mouth. So what we've got to do is get through to the mind. And that's the hard bit. Getting through to your mind or to your brain. We tell it what to do. We tell the brain what to do. The cake didn't magically jump off the plate and get in our mouth. The brain. We tell the brain. The brain said, lift the fork, put the cake in your mouth. So we need to address that. We need to get through to the mind. When I speak about getting in shape, I always say to you, it's not about your body, it's about your mind. The mind is going to control your outcomes. So we've got to get through to the mind to break those habits. Rather than minus eating, reaching for the press, just hit pause. Hit pause, take a minute. Ask yourself, do I need this or do I want this? Why am I eating this? Am I hungry? A lot of time it's not hunger. If it's hunger, you'd eat an apple. If the apple is not enough for you, it's not hunger that's causing the problem. It's something else. So hitting the pause button, bringing awareness to it just for a minute. Taking that moment out just to ask yourself those questions. To ask yourself why you're doing this. Is it serving my goal to do this? Do I really need to do this? Just pausing and asking the questions. And all it's doing again is bringing awareness. So it's what I call eating consciously. As opposed to what a lot of people are doing at the minute. Which is eating unconsciously. Just throwing things down to make them feel good. They're not even particularly enjoying it. They're not sitting down at all. It's standing. It's just shoving something into their mouth and it's gone. For a quick pleasure hit. If you're going to answer that question. Do I need it? As yes. That's okay. That's absolutely fine. What I want you to do. Is make a meal of it. I want you to put it on a plate. And I want you to sit down. And I want you to enjoy every mouthful. And I want you to actually. Be be aware that you're doing it. As opposed to just standing up, shoving something in your mouth and having it gone in 20 seconds. By sitting down, putting it on a plate, we become a lot more aware of our choices. We become a lot more conscious of what we're actually doing. So hitting the pause button, guys, bringing some awareness. Another rule I use quite a bit, I I don't like to call it a rule because it makes it sound like I'm kind of dictating to people, which I don't. (laughs) I try to educate people and help them. But I use what we call the 20 minute rule with clients who suffer a lot of cravings. And this is typically the people that would have high sugar diets, high salt diets, just looking for those quick fixes all the time. They typically would experience, I suppose, some withdrawals when they reduce the sugar. You can get headaches, you can feel sluggish, a bit nauseous at times. And you've probably just got to push through that, to be honest. It's not easy in the first week or two, but it's just kind of getting the head on it and saying, I'm just going to get through it, come out the other side of feeling an awful lot better. But with people who suffer a lot of cravings, I use what we call the 20-minute rule, which is I will say to them, I want you to down a pint of water, leave it for 20 minutes. And if after 20 minutes you still want that food, then go and have it. Very, very often by bringing awareness to it, by taking 20 minutes, 20 minutes, the craving has disappeared after 20 minutes. And they've actually decided then that I don't need that food. when They've had time to think about it. So what I really would like you to do is just take time. Just before you shove it in your mouth, just take a minute to ask that question. Do I need it or do I want it? What's the reason I'm eating this? Is it in line with my goals? Can I manage without it? And while we're on the subject of water, down a pint of water, it will help you. (laughs) It will help. So small things like that, guys. So it's just that level of awareness again, bringing that awareness to it. 
Okay, we're almost done, guys. I'm trying to keep it shorter today. Last week's podcast went on quite a bit. It was a long, long, long one. I'm going to split today's one into two episodes, I think, as I mentioned at the beginning. Um, yeah, I think we're almost done. But yeah, I do. I think people medicate with food, and I think they almost use food as an antidepressant. And if you can figure out the root of the problem and why you're doing that, and then try and solve that problem, it might solve a lot of your food issues. This is an unpopular thing for me to say, and it's something that doesn't get mentioned very often. But I think a lot of people's obesity, if we'll call it that, because we have an obesity epidemic in the country, obesity levels are out of control. I think a lot of it is coming from unhappy people. Unhappy people, they're unhappy in their daily lives, they're unhappy in their work, they're unhappy in their relationship. And so they're turning to food. They're turning to food to medicate, to make themselves feel better. It's not because they need it. It's because they want to improve their happiness level, if you like. And that happiness is only temporary. You get a little dopamine hit from your cake, your chocolate, and then it's back to reality. It's very often people that are in bad relationships. Maybe it's that your stress levels are high. Maybe you've had an argument again with your partner. So you just turn to something to make yourself feel better, and that thing is food. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to drugs. A huge percentage of people turn to food. And they don't see it as a problem because food is something that everybody eats. Therefore, it's okay. But I do believe a lot of people have a food addiction. Addiction strong is like, sounds like a strong word. But I think if you're doing something that is out of your control, even temporarily, and you do it to make yourself feel better or to give you a bit of a high, I'd really define that as addiction, which does sound a little bit frightening. But I think you have to f- try and find a better way to deal with those stress levels. You've got to find a better way to make yourself feel happy, to bring some sort of pleasure into your life. Rather than doing something that's making you unhealthy and in the long run, maybe making you unhappy. I think people use food as a crutch. I do. I think people use food as a crutch. I think they turn to it because they're not happy with something else in their lives. So maybe it makes more sense to do the hard thing and confront the actual thing that's making you unhappy. As opposed to just turn into food. Yeah, it's hard to do. Of course it is. It's not easy. But I do think food is not necessarily the problem in a lot of cases. I think it's something else. I think it's something that is easier maybe sometimes to sweep under the carpet rather than just standing up and saying, okay, I need to face this thing head on because it's my trigger point. I know that when I do this thing, I turn to food or I know that when something happens that makes me stressed, I turn to food. So what would be a better option for you for stress relief? rather than turn to food. There's a few hints in the podcast every week, guys. I speak about training a lot. I speak about walking a lot. I speak about yoga a lot. I speak about anything that improves your mental health, anything that releases stress. There may be the things you need to start looking at. So you've got a different thing to turn to rather than something that's destructive or something that is self-sabotaging you or something that's taking you away from the things that you say is important to you. So maybe it'd make more sense that you go and do a workout or you go and hammer a punch bag for 20 minutes as opposed to sitting down eating a tub of Ben and Jerry's. There's nothing wrong with eating a tub of Ben and Jerry's from time to time, guys. But if it is the thing that you turn to on a regular basis and if it's the thing that's causing you a lot of problems, then maybe we need to find an alternative. Maybe we do need to find an alternative. Okay, I think I'm going to leave it at that for today, guys. Could you find a better coping mechanism? That's where I'm going to leave it. There's an awful lot in this topic and therefore I don't want to go too deep on it because I think there's there's a lot for you to take in. There's a lot for you to consume. And if I do an hour long podcast on this, there's going to be five different mess- five million different messages in it and you're not going to take anything on board. I would rather that you take some of the messages from today 
and you make them relevant to you and you ask yourself some of those questions rather than trying to ask yourself 50 questions you're asking yourself three questions and you're able to answer those questions or find answers to those questions i hope you found something useful in that podcast guys it was a little bit different today it's maybe a little bit heavier than normal it's kind of just the nature of the topic i'm afraid i will do a second episode on it i'll finish the topic i'm not sure when maybe next week maybe the following i'm not sure but i will come back to it at some point hopefully over the next few weeks we'll get a few guests on again which i'm looking forward to because it's been this is the 20th episode in a row where i've done a solo cast but yeah, I'm happy. We've kept the listenership up, which is good. So I hope you've enjoyed the solo cast. I hope I haven't been too torturous for you. I hope you've got something out of them. I hope you find them useful. Yeah, that's the ultimate reason I did the podcast, is that you can take something away from it. Maybe there's just something that resonates. If it's one thing in a podcast, that's all you need. One thing can change your life. One thing. That's it. I'm going to leave it at that, guys. I don't think I have anything else I want to say to you. No more news for you. No more things I need to promote at the end of the podcast or anything like that. As always, if anybody would like to sponsor the podcast, if there's any business people listening, you would be more than welcome. That would be fantastic. It'll be the next step for the podcast. We are in the charts most week at this stage, so you've got a bit of an audience now. Um, yeah, get in touch with me. Email me. Drop me a message on social media. Pigeon carrier. Whatever you want to do, get in touch with me. That's it, folks. I'm going to leave you and love you. I will ta- chat to you next week again. All the best.